0: I wonder if you've started a Bible reading program for 2020. Maybe you're continuing a Bible reading program. Be not discouraged. We're only a week and a half into the new year. So uh, there's no better time than now to think about your daily, weekly rhythm of reading and studying God's uh, living Word. At some point, whatever Bible reading program you have, you will come across the little letter of Jude. And uh, actually... you you probably won't find you you'll you'll get into john and then you'll flip to revelation go ahead try it and then you'll have to go back and find jude because it's only that one page uh, spread in your bibles one of the shortest letters in the new testament one of only four that we have that has no chapter divisions it's just jude 3 or jude 20 whatever the verse uh, may be and uh also a bit strange to our modern ears when we read Jude's letter. It's, uh, it's one of the more neglected letters we have in the New Testament. So we're making a bit of a transition here. We're going from some of the most familiar material in the Gospels surrounding the birth of Jesus to some of the most unfamiliar um, in the New Testament. Even though we can read through Jude, you could read through the whole thing in about three minutes Uh, Just like the rest of God's Word, it will take us a lifetime to process, uh, just to digest the message uh, that He gives to the church. And so we're going to spend about a month, a little over a month uh, in Jude, starting in verse 1, and we'll just we'll read a little bit more uh, each week. And I encourage you to read through the letter on your own uh, during the week. Three, four minutes, three, five minutes. You may even challenge yourself every day. Uh, to read through uh, Jude's letter. So did you find it? It's page 1027 in that black Bible. And he doesn't even, there's no even page number. Jude doesn't even get a page number in our Bibles. Um, but like, uh, like most letters in the New Testament, there is an opening, there's a main body to this letter, and a closing. So this morning we're going to look just at the opening. Um, the letter is received by some repre- representative of the congregation. Some curiosity folks begin to gather around. And this is what they're going to hear first from Jude. Jude, a servant of Jesus Christ and brother of James, to those who are called, beloved in God the Father and kept for Jesus Christ, may mercy, peace, and love be multiplied to you. That's Jude's opening. And that is the holy and enduring word of our God. Would you pray with me? Lord God, How abundant is Your grace that You would condescend to us in Your Son, the living Word, the very bread of heaven. And We pray now that You would feed us through this living Word. Lord, we're grateful for its power and its authority in our lives. Forgive us when we do not consider it as such, but gloss over words, maybe even an introduction like this. Lord, though the grass withers, and the flower fades and everything is washed away, it is Your Word that endures forever. We pray, Lord, that You would work it now in our hearts, in our minds, that You would speak faithfully through Your servant, that You would make us attentive in these moments as we consider this opening of Jude's letter. We offer this in Jesus' name. Amen. My youngest daughter started to play the saxophone And I love to hear her practice the saxophone, even though some days she's more excited to practice than others. Uh, But I know that with every little uh, tune, every little Mary Had a Little Lamb and London Bridge, that uh, she's growing and learning more about the sax. But because I grew up in a family where there was only brass instruments, it meant that we had to be on the search for a saxophone. And uh, so I was looking around, went through Craigslist, and, and that brought us to a pawn shop on the south side of Little Rock. Kind of one of those places that you wanted to do business expeditiously. And once we got there, um, they, had, they actually had several saxophones in the pawn shop, and we found the case with the one that we were looking for. And I, a gentleman, very very kind gentleman, came over and was, was showing us what it came with. And I was sort of thinking out loud you know, you know about the brand, questions about the condition and, and other things that it came with. And the most I could get from him was, well, this is what it came with. Um, it's a saxophone. Didn't, didn't know what brand it was, didn't know how it played, but it was a saxophone. Um, contrast that experience to this last summer, I'm eating a meal with a family at General Assembly, and across the table from us was Tag. And Tag is gentleman that I um, had several classes with at seminary and Tag plays the saxophone and I mean not played as in past tense high school picks it up every now and then he plays the saxophone regularly teaches the saxophone I think he plays it every week as part of worship so as soon as we mentioned that you know Lydia would be playing the saxophone he got super excited and started you know getting into instructor mode right there uh, if you take the mouthpiece and you just blow into it, it's going to be this note. And just just work on that. Just take the mouthpiece and start practicing. And how I wish I would have had tag with me at that pawn shop to be able to say yes, no, yes. Here, let me play and show you what this looks like. Um, but it all worked out fine. We got a good we got a good instrument. But think about who we trust. Who do we listen to? Um, whether we're buying a saxophone or working on a construction project or planting a garden or uh, studying a particular idea or view. You know, we can listen to the voices around us. We can listen to the opinions of social media. Probably give a few opinions of our own. You know, Anybody can claim just about anything on a blog post or Twitter post. But who do we really lean into as an authority on whatever topic? You know, we try to go to those who have spent time at the source, spent time at least... A little more experience than ourselves. And so the church from from a very early age, like the first half of the first century, has recognized this little letter as the authoritative Word of God, inspired by God to His people. It carried His authority. So not only could they trust the words of Jude, not only was it worth listening to, they needed to listen. Just like we need to listen to these words so there's warning and encouragement and it rings just as true and helpful today as it did for our brothers and sisters in that first century so we're going to look at Jude's greeting through the lens of three questions who is this guy who is he writing to and why should they listen who who and why are the questions that we're going to use and Jude opens by by saying that he is a servant of jesus christ and the language there is actually that of a bond servant or a slave and so we prefer the word servant that's much cleaner much nicer because slave we're over that right this is slavery is you know involuntary cruel oppressive dehumanizing to our ears but it would not have been language would not have been that to the ears of of those hearing this or to jude being a bond servant was actually a an honorable role. You see this in the Old Testament. A master would provide for the slave, would care for the slave, who would then in turn you know, be able to stay out of poverty. Uh, these arrangements were usually voluntary with you know, limits for the Hebrew people in the Old Testament. Many of the patriarchs, familiar figures like Abraham and Moses, Joshua, David, prophet Elijah, They're all identified as servants of the Lord. And then we get in the New Testament, and the only kind of slavery that we're exposed to in the New Testament is household slavery. And that, again, the master-servant relationship was really a trusted one. It It was governed by an affection for one another. Think of Philemon and Onesimus, that arrangement. And even that was passing away. All those united to Christ by faith are servants, slaves in the household of God. That's what we hear from Paul in Ephesians 2. But that's not all we are. That's not all that Jude is as a disciple of Jesus. As children of God, there's an even higher intimacy uh, that we enjoy. that Even that slave-servant relationship can't capture. Uh, But with this type of language... Jude says that he is controlled by Jesus. He's directed by Jesus. He belongs to Christ entirely underneath him. We're going to see in a second why that is such an amazing thing for Jude to say. But Christ is his master. And he's he's happy to call him that. And that's really important for us to hear. Because in our sin-stained world, hearts, and minds, we want to buck against rightful authority in our lives. It could be the authority of parent, teachers, law enforcement. Most significant, the authority of God and His Word, which, in which all other authority is derived. Okay. Who are you to tell me what's right and wrong? Who are, who are you to tell me what's best for me? You know, I'll decide. I'll call the shots. I'll decide what love is. I'll decide you know, what human beings are in my own little world. So, you know, I don't often say something is a main issue, but this is really a main issue. If you take any time to look underneath your sin, to look at the source, look, go, go behind all the social ills, the ethical dilemmas that we face, uh, it will likely narrow down to a, an issue of authority. Um, who knows what is best for you? Who knows what's best for me? For anyone else? Who calls the shots? Why? That's the first thing Jude says. It's Jesus. He calls the shots. It's Jesus. He is our master and rightful ruler. And Jude adds one more piece of identification here. He says that he is the brother of James. Now there are a number of Jameses in the New Testament, but we are on firm ground to assume that this is the most well-known James. The James of of the early church. A leader in Jerusalem. We're told along with Peter and John, he was a pillar in the church. We were spending some time in Michigan just a couple weeks ago. Apparently, one of my nieces Uh, said something to Lydia at one point. She says, your dad looks just like my dad, only with less hair. (laughs) I love my niece. Thankful for that observation. Um, I I don't think it's true, but most folks who know me and then see my brother Darren say, well, of course you guys are related. Of course you're brothers. Um, So when the church hears brother of James... They're thinking, well, yeah, we know who, who James is. He doesn't need his own introduction, so there's no mistake here. It is this Judas that sent the letter, and that's, that's, that's the actual name. It's Judas that we find uh, in the language. But in our English translations, it's rendered Jude, so there's no confusion with Judas Iscariot. We have no letter by the Lord's betrayer in the Scriptures. Um, this well-known James the well-known James is a brother of Jesus, which makes Jude a brother, or half-brother, and more accurately, I say to Jesus. Jude doesn't say he's an apostle, so that, that helps us a little bit. Uh, he doesn't say that he is a brother of Jesus. He's not putting any stock in that, that relationship. He is a slave of Jesus. There's no mistaking who he is because of james it's just it's fascinating helpful for us because here is a man who grew up with jesus really he knew jesus personally long before jesus is you know calling fishers of men to himself like in matthew chapter 13 jesus is in his hometown maybe you remember how the people responded they they're kind of confused over His instruction, the authority by which He speaks. They say, is this not the carpenter's son? Is this not, is not His mother called Mary? And are not His brothers James and Joseph and Simon and Judas? There He is. There's our Jude. And what do you remember about the family? As Jesus begins teaching, begins healing, all in the region of Galilee, saying, repent, the kingdom of God is at hand. Remember about the family. His family is not on board with that. Not at all. We look at Mark chapter 3 where his family comes to get him and Jesus says, My family is right here. Those who do the will of God are my brothers and sisters. Or John chapter 7. This is right, right before Jesus goes to the feast in Jerusalem. It says, Not even his brothers believed in him. So there's our Jude again. The same one who says, I am a slave to Jesus Christ. Talk about a heart transformation. Talk about a change of heart. And this guy grew up with Jesus. And he didn't believe in Him. And now by the, by the resurrecting power of God, Jude is a leader and evangelist in the church. You and I know folks like this. In a room this size, there are still folks in this room who are Judes. Now we're all a Judas Iscariot in our sin, betraying the Lord God and His love for us. I'm talking about Judes. You've grown up around Jesus. You've grown up in the church of some flavor. You've grown up hearing the Gospel. You've grown up hearing the words of Jesus through his his word the bible but you have yet to call him master and lord so you're playing along still calling the shots and we know family and friends we know family and friends who check out when you start talking about the things of god they start rolling their eyes they've heard it all before they, they, They conveniently leave the room when it's time to pray. Or maybe they're always asking questions, but you soon realize it's not for answers. They're just trying to play devil's advocate, trying to get under your skin. Do you hear the beauty in how Jude introduces himself? This same unbelieving brother is now a servant of Christ. And that can be true of you. And those that you know, that you are more than ready to just say, I'm done. I don't even, I'm going to stop. It's not too late. They're not beyond hope or complete transformation. Keep showing them the beauty of God's love. Keep praying for them. Even as I pray for you sitting here this morning that you would know, repent, turn to Christ and His authority in every part of your life. So we know who's writing. How about the audience? Who he's writing to? This is the second half of verse 1. One level it's a very easy answer. We don't know exactly who Jude is writing to. He's writing about a specific situation in the church, but he doesn't identify that church. It's because of this that Jude is typically put in that category of the, the Catholic or the general epistles, general letters we have in the New Testament. Specific situation that he knows, but we don't have the delivery address. It's a letter that's going to be passed around and read by uh, multiple churches. Probably worth noting at this point that if you read through Peter's second letter, you're going to find some very similar verses uh, to what we read in Jude, specifically in 2 Peter uh, chapter 2 and chapter 3. So you can only imagine the debate about who used who. Did Peter use Jude? Did Jude use Peter? Did they all, by the power of the Holy Spirit, use a common source and come up with the, the same language? And I think the weight of the evidence leans toward Jude as the earlier letter, with Peter making use of, of Jude's language. One of the reasons why I wanted us to use Jude first, to go through Jude first before looking at, at Peter's letters. Uh, that means if we're going to try and, and date Jude, it's a pretty, it's a pretty big window. It would be a 20-year window even, mid-40s to mid-60s, to the churches that he's visited or planted He's writing to Jews familiar with the Old Testament, familiar with Jewish literature. He's going to make reference and allude to uh, some sources in the Apocrypha, which we'll talk more about when we get there. But primarily a Jewish audience, with some, some Gentile. can Ignore that. But what he says about these recipients, okay, whether they're Jew or Gentile, what he says is absolutely glorious. To those who are called. Beloved in God and kept for or kept by Jesus Christ. That's who Jude is writing to. And that is company you want to be in. That is company you are in when you are in Jesus Christ. Jude is writing to those, to you, who are called. And this isn't the, the general call, general invitation, sort of you know, loudspeaker on the base announcement. That everyone can hear. Okay, this, is, this is personal. This is the, the personal office visit type of call. A specific God, call of God to His children, to those chosen by His infinite and sovereign mercy. And let's be reminded that the sovereign Creator God, the Holy One of Israel, does not try things. He doesn't try something and hope that it turns out. The ones that He calls will come to Him. In faith his call is irresistible it's always effective and I want us to just sit in that for a second okay? we are God's people you are a child of God because he has chosen you he's changed your heart and called you we will not turn to him in fact we cannot turn to him unless he initiates Unless He gives us the ability to respond to His call. We, we could take more time on this. Just a, just a few thoughts. We Think about the free will that we enjoy as image bearers of God. Okay, we have the freedom. What, what Jonathan Edwards would call the natural ability to make choices. We make free choices about all kinds of things all the time. And we'll make those choices based upon what we love and desire and value. The problem is... The unbelieving, unchanged heart in sin can only make all those free choices away from God. Here's how Edwards put it. The unregenerate person is not inclined to obey God. He has no love for God that stirs his will to choose God. He could choose the things of God if he wanted them, but he does not want them. Our wills are such that we cannot freely choose what we have no desire to choose. So there's a lot of choosing in that language, but it's that desire that God must graciously give—a desire to respond to His call, to hear the voice of the Good Shepherd. So, if you are in Christ, then by the grace of God, you have been called. Jude, Jude's going to mention, you know, throughout this letter, the need for endurance, holiness, but right at the outset, he reminds the church that they are known, called, secured by the grace of God Himself. Um, sometimes too, when we hear that language of calling or being called, we immediately go to our vocations, the things that we do for a living. You know, he or she is called to this or called to that. Uh, really really not the focus of Jude's greeting here, but it can be helpful to make this distinction about our, our callings. You know, As Christians... Christians everywhere have a general calling. We are all called of God, called to discipleship as children of God. We're called to be faithful ambassadors uh, in every place. That's the general call, but it's in those places that we exercise our particular callings. You have a general call and a, a particular call or callings. It may be a a driver, a pilot, a teacher, a student, a plumber, a, an attorney. You know, all of those are our particular callings. Those are unique, but we have a general call which is the same. Don't let that escape the everyday. The ordinary, mundane, everyday stuff of life. For those who are called of God, the ordinary is never unimportant or insignificant. Because we are called of God. Um, those called are loved by God, uh, continually being loved by God. I know it's just a few words in Jude's greeting, but, but hear the, the comfort and the assurance that this would give to this audience. It is only by God's love that we can know Him. It's a love that never stops, a love that never comes to an end. Okay, so when, when the waves are crashing, you're in the midst of. A storm. It may may be right now. Standing in death's shadow. You are loved by God. That beautiful Romans 8 tells us that there is nothing that can separate you from that love in Jesus Christ. So hold on tight. Cling to Him. Though you hang on by a thread. Words penned by Samuel Rutherford, though you hang on by a thread, it is of Christ's spinning. That's a strong thread. That's the only thread that's going to hold. The church is loved, called, kept for Jesus Christ. There's plenty of support here for kept by Jesus Christ. It is God who keeps us at all times preserves His church to the very end of time. Think of Psalm 121. Just a precious song of God's keeping. Here's just a little bit. Behold, He who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forever. It is God who keeps us. doesn't mean we have no responsibility you know, Jude's going to, he's going to mention this keeping again in verse 21. It serves as a great bookend to this letter. Who does the keeping, God or the believer? The answer is yes. We're kept by the love of God, but we are also keeping ourselves in the love of God. That's that, that wonderful, beautiful, mysterious tension again of God's sovereignty in keeping us and our responsibility to pursue Him to keep ourselves, to abide in His love. So this is how Jude describes his audience. Loved, called, and kept. He likes to write in groups of threes, we're going to see. I'll see it again in the next verse, throughout the letter. But this this three-part description isn't new to Jude either. If you were to look at the servant songs in Isaiah, specifically Isaiah 42 and Isaiah 49, it's the people of Israel who are called, and kept in the covenant love of god so israel's jude's audience really solidifies the true israel of god in believers the world over this is the church god's chosen people kept to the very end so we have one more question and that's why we should listen to what jude has to say i mentioned a few minutes ago this matter of authority this letter carries an authority. The very fact that Jude has gone through such a dramatic transformation should incline us to listen. From skeptical, unbelieving brother to faithful servant. I mean, that, that's the power of God. The work of God in Jude's life. God has changed this man. Now giving his life for Christ. So that, that gives us a lot of of credibility to his words along with the fact that he's the brother of james authoritative figure in the church so we need to listen because there's an authority here from god through his servant a power but also a prayer and this is that verse two he prays that mercy peace and love would continue to increase in his audience in the church but what is our desire what is our prayer for those that we love the most, for those closest to us. We pray for health. We pray for safety. We pray for direction. Are we praying that they would know more of God's mercy? Know more of His love? Be at peace. Um, Jude knows that these are qualities the church is going to need in a very stressful time. They're going to, to need to extend the same mercy that God has extended to them. They're going to need to rest in Christ to be peacemakers when these intruders in the church are causing division and grumbling. When they see the selfishness of these false teachers, they will need to show the selflessness of love. The chief facet of love is selflessness. So do you hear the heart of God through Jude's prayer? Before he warns, before any instruction is given, it's his desire, it's God's desire that his people would love him and know more of his mercy. That's reason to give attention to these words. We listen to those we trust. We we go to those who who exercise authority in love. So that this greeting really draws us in. We can't we don't want to read it too fast. It draws us in. It, it shows us what a privilege it is to be on the receiving end of these kinds of words. Um, I was thinking it earlier, it's pretty easy to, to dial in a radio station these days because everything is uh, you know digital. You just dial in 90.5 or 101.7. But at one time, you, and you might still have a radio like this, it's probably in your storage, um, you actually had to turn the dial just a little bit until you hit the right frequency that you were looking for. You had to tune in to the right station. Now, that's what this opening is doing in Jude's letter. Sort of, it hits just the right frequency. The church is tuned in now in the mercy, peace, and love of God. I mean, you continue to grow. They're tuned in now and ready to listen to what Jude has to say. So if you're here this morning, you're working through the Gospel, you're, you're questioning the work of God, how Jude could say something like this, then hear his prayer for the church as a plea to your own heart. May you know the mercy of God this day. A mercy that does not treat you as your rebellion against His authority deserves. Because that punishment has been placed on Jesus, who lived and died for you. You say, well, you mean God must, must punish sin? You know, casting, you know, casting into a very real hell those who don't think they need Him and are still calling the shots. That, that doesn't seem fair. And praise God, friend, that it is not fair. Praise God that our God is not fair. If He is ever and always fair, then you and I don't have a prayer. We are doomed forever. Our God is merciful and just by giving His own Son over to death, He is the justifier of all who put their faith in Him. So that mercy, that selfless love that God has for you in Christ, it gives peace. It gives purpose. It gives wholeness. And I'll tell you, it's a peace that so often passes our understanding because it's a peace you can have right now in the midst of the storm. Whatever, whatever it is you may be facing, a peace that endures forever in the kingdom of God. It's a peace that's found in a person, in Jesus. So it's a short opening prayer, but let's hear that it's all of God's grace. He's the one who, who loves us when we want nothing to do with Him. He's the one who calls us. He's the one who keeps us. If we're going to grow in mercy and love and peace then he must cultivate those qualities in us this is all of god all his grace we can praise him for it this is who i am jude says this is who you are this is my prayer for you in jesus christ he's going to pack a lot into this little letter you can read it in three minutes it'll take a lifetime to process and apply but it's worth it it's worth tuning in Our privilege to listen, learn from the One who loves us. Would you pray with me? Lord God, we are grateful that You know us better than we know ourselves. That You give us what we need. You have given us Your Word. And for this we are grateful. Lord, tune our hearts into these words of Jude's letter. that We might seek to understand and grow. Keep us hungry and thirsty for righteousness. Hungry and thirsty for... After you, O Christ, Lord God, I pray this for everyone here, for those that we know and love, for our children and students. We pray, Lord, that you would capture their hearts, that they would affirm the promises of your love for them, that they would acknowledge you as master, that they too could respond as, as Jude says, that they are servants. Bound slaves to Jesus Christ who is a gracious and kind and merciful Master. Lord, as they begin a new semester and the schoolwork and the, the rhythm of each week, extracurricular activities and all of those things that come with whatever season of life that they are in, Lord, go before them. Guard their hearts. Remind them of Your great love for them in Jesus. Your great love for every one of us in Jesus.